You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. Down in Australia, the ASX 200 is off about a third of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan slipping about 0.2%. The Cosby in South Korea also trading to the downside just after the open off a quarter of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open more or less flat. It missed a day's trading yesterday because of the uh, typhoon. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil trading at $42.52 a barrel. Gold is at $1,893 an ounce. And the US dollar at a 105.5 against the Japanese yen in the currency markets. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Back chat coming up very shortly with Hugh Chiverton and Janice Wong. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Cloudy with a few rain patches. The maximum temperature is going to be about 28 degrees. There is a strong monsoon signal in force this morning. Uh, Going to be sunny periods and one or two rain patches in the next few days. The temperature is 25 degrees and it's 78% relative humidity out at the observatory. 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. President Trump's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, has avoided answering questions about her views on controversial issues on the second day of her Senate confirmation hearing. Judge Barrett, a staunch conservative, refused to comment on the landmark rulings legalizing abortion and gay marriage. She quoted the late liberal justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, saying she would give no hints, no forecasts and no previews. But addressing the hearing, Senator Kamala Harris said Ms. Ginsburg had in fact been more forthright. President Trump said that overturning Roe v. Wade will, quote, happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. Judge Barrett, several times today, you have quoted Justice Ginsburg's testimony about not making predictions in future cases. However, she was far more forthcoming at her confirmation hearing about the essential rights of women. Organizations representing airlines and airports have warned the global aviation industry faces collapse unless it receives further financial support. Here's the BBC's Theo Leggett. The figures are stark. Airlines and airports around the world are expecting their revenues to fall by more than $520 billion this year. At a joint press conference on Tuesday, the airline industry body IATA called on governments to provide more financial support. Previous aid packages, they said, had been designed on the assumption that a recovery would by now be underway. But without further assistance, many airlines would not survive the next few months, and airports could begin going bankrupt very soon. But it was also vital, they said, for governments to introduce coordinated testing of passengers to enable quarantine requirements to be removed. The World Trade Organization has ruled that the European Union can impose stiff tariffs on Boeing in retaliation for U.S. state aid given to the plane maker. The award, affecting $4 billion of U.S. goods, is likely to raise transatlantic tensions just three weeks before the U.S. presidential election. Last year, the WTO allowed Washington to penalize the EU over its support for the European manufacturer Airbus. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is Janice Wong. Janice, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today, a storm in a teacup. The observatory has defended its decision to issue the number eight signal all day yesterday, saying it was made for the safety of the general public. It's the first time since the 60s the observatory has issued a number eight over a storm that was so far away, 440 kilometres at its closest point, and authorities have not reported any flooding or landslide yesterday. But they said it was a prudent move because Hong Kong was under the influence of both a tropical storm and a northeast monsoon, a situation that would strengthen wind speed. Well, do you think it was right to put and keep up the signal? Is it necessary these days to close down schools and offices and the stock exchange, cancel events, stop transport and lock down the city? Should we rethink what a number eight means and how we react? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us on 233-88266. Join the conversation, 233-88266 is the number. After 9.15, what does the court ruling on enclaves mean for development in our country parks? We'll be discussing that uh, as well. Joining us for our first topic now, we have with us Lam Chu Ying, who's former director of the observatory, and Tim Hamlet, a writer at the Hong Kong Free Press. Chip Cho, uh, social commentator, will be joining us later uh, and uh, as ever. Once again, uh, do please give us a call. 233-88266 is the number. Let's start off with a few uh, emails on uh, relating to earlier discussions. All right. And, and just before we get to today's topic, some emails related uh, to academic freedom and the uh, recent deregistering of a primary school teacher accused of using pro-independence material in class. This email is from Herman. He says the unmitigated goal of these education sector types trying to deny parents the right to know who is teaching their kids by arguing that their so-called academic freedom trumps the futures of their students is simply unbelievable. As a grandparent, I want to know if my ch- grandchildren are being taught by people with criminal backgrounds or who are too stupid not to know if they are breaching the law. He goes on to say that uh, his uh, grandchildren absolutely have a his children absolutely have a right to know if their children's future prospects are being jeopardized by the same arrogant clowns responsible for creating a generation of local students who think Mandarin is irrelevant, who are clueless as to what is happening across the border, and whose English is pathetic, leaving them to so competitively disadvantaged they will struggle to find work in international settings, the mainland or Taiwan, and uh, that comes from a very concerned grandparent, Herman. And uh, Norman says, some overseas academic institutions have attempted to demonize Hong Kong's national security law with another open letter. Are Western academics above the law in terms of national security laws or any laws imposed by Western governments? They aren't. Easier to be loudmouth on the outside and shut up about what they have to accept from their own governments. And Boris and Scott have a lot more in store for them in terms of national security. If they can live with these laws imposed by their own governments, Hong Kong academics will learn to live with Hong Kong's. And if Hong Kong academics move overseas, they will have to live with the laws there. And that's from Norman. And in relation to the, the uh, conversation yesterday, uh, someone who signs himself K. Jim says, if your DAB guest Candy Wong, speaking typical Mandarin accent English, can disguise himself raised up in Hong Kong like his several generation did, I can also tell people I were Caucasian brought up in UK as well. 
And a couple of uh, comments on our Facebook page, which are kind of, kind of interesting and contrasting. Miles says, this is uh, in relation to our main topic today, the uh, issuing of the number eight. Miles says, how to draw a line. If number eight signal was not hoisted today, I think there will be more grievances. Anyway, whether number three or number eight is based on objective figures, not subjective feelings. Uh, but then uh, Komu uh, on Facebook, who's also attacked a diff of a Poe, that's the, one of the Teletubbies, it's the Cantonese Teletubby, falling over, says, that's a good demonstration of the worries of the so-called three powers cooperation. The observatory cooperates fully with someone's political motives, irrespective of science and human intelligence. Thank you very much indeed for that. Bankchat.rthk.hk. Uh, Mr. Lamb, let me chew in. Good morning to you. Good Thank morning. Thank you for joining us. Let's just kind of settle that now. Does the observatory have much leeway in deciding whether they're going to raise a number eight or not? Or is it kind of automatic and done more or less by computer? No, not really. Um, not, not watch? <laughs> no. Um, not me automatic? Uh, to me, mm. as a former director, when I was there, so I think we have three principles. One, the decision has to be based on science. Second, we have to remember that we are a a service to the people. And then number three, the life is the most important consideration. So, so it is science-based, but then we are working in a human society. And uh, we must make sure that whatever we do, we won't jeopardize the safety of people, and we must minimize the number of casualties. So if you say, is it purely science? I can't say 100%. Because we, we must remember that we are not working in a vacuum. We are working in a human society. So uh, the, the, re the reason why there is an observatory to produce warnings is to save lives. So, so we are science-based, but then we also have to, to evaluate the risks in whatever we do, in hoisting or not hoisting any signal. Um, so some people like to portray us as uh, robots <laughs> working with very objective uh, criteria and then when the time comes click the signal up or down uh, this would be too simplistic and uh, uh, so when when you hear the observatory saying that we have we have to make sure that uh, safety is number one then you can actually logically deduce it is not 100 percent uh, purely robotic scientific consideration that, I mean, that, that, those other considerations, mm. so they have kind of economic implications, no. they, they have social implications. Well, they do have economic implications no. because they do, yeah. they do affect the economy of Hong Kong. Um. They, they, they affect <laughs> education and things mm. like that. Mm. Maybe you're not in the best, with all due respect, meteorologists are not in the best situation to do that. What if, what if you no. said to the government, look, this is, gonna, this, is the, this is what we understand from the weather situation, mm. then somebody else made that call. No. No. During my time as director, mm. no one dare, no one dare to call me <laughs> to give me instruction one way or the other, uh, and I think most directors of the observatory uh, would behave like me. Uh, we are very queer people. If someone called to ask us to hoist or not to hoist a signal, we would tell somebody else next day, <laughs> and it would be open secret. Uh, so, to the best of my knowledge, my predecessors and myself would not be affected by any phone call from anyone. 
to actually, I myself. Saying maybe you should be. Maybe we should just rethink it. So maybe maybe that would be a better arrangement because no. there are so many implications from from that. No, uh, I think people are overblowing the implications. Say, for example, the stock market. Why should it close? Actually, during my time as director, I I I, I talked to the stock exchange. I say I said. Why do you close the stock market when everyone can go onto the internet and and operate as as any normal day and do the uh, stock buying or selling? And uh, in terms of banking, you can you can now do it on the internet. So why should you say close the bank or I mean or especially the stock market? People in Hong Kong are so obsessed with the, the stock market, but then the stock market they say oh. Uh, not everyone is on the internet, etc. But, but I think we we are now in a very different world. Um, I I do, I do agree with you that we should look at things anew, in, in the light of the new circumstances. But basically, the the fundamental idea behind the warning system in Hong Kong is that home is the safest place. This is not true for every place. For example, in in the states, home is not the safest place. Actually, when typhoon or hurricanes hit, they have to evacuate <laughs> because their houses are made of wood, but our houses are made of concrete. So in Hong Kong, the fundamental principle is to keep people at home. That is the safest approach in countering the attack of typhoons. Um, and uh, you, you could never tell whether it is the, the, the number X signal will stop there and uh, it will not go to 9 and 10. When it comes to 9 and 10, you have to be at home to protect your home. So this, this is the guiding but thought. Isn't the whole principle mm. really kind of based on? It's it's a bit I don't know. It's a bit Victorian, isn't okay. it? A bit, uh, you know this this sort no. of hoisting the hoisting the signal oh. and everything. No, is, we. So, but any, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the origins obviously are you know are, 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 are very early colonial and, and so on. But still, there's this idea that everything has to stop. Wasn't isn't doesn't that go back to um, like mm. when there were squatter huts no. and things like this, and when there were constant landslides? Mm. I mean, people. It no. just doesn't have an effect on no. a major effect on the city like it used to. <laughs> but you have to remember, this is a city of mobility. People have to be moving around to let the economy grind on. And, uh, you know, the dangerous part of typhoons is when people are outside, are traveling, are, are in the open air. Uh, people would be hit by flying objects. People would, would, would be blown away. Yeah, actually, yesterday I, I walked on the Hong Kong promenade. I, 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 I had to lean into the wind to walk. So it is not exactly a case of no wind. <laughs> and, uh, but do you have to stop, stop the city because, no. because there's a strong wind? No, this is a misconception. The city is not stopped. The city keeps on working. We now have the internet. What have we stopped? <laughs> so I, I think people have to, to remember we are... In these days, people work from home. <laughs> what, what, what does it matter if there is a signal aid preventing from you going to a, a, a place of work? But you see, the, my, my must emphasis, the most dangerous part of typhoon is when people are moving in the open air from one place to another. So it is important to, to stop movement. Okay, just a couple of uh, quick, <laughs> quick emails. Uh, Hugh says, Time for Hong Kong to realise that even the weather in the SER has now been politicised and must heed the security law. 
Uh, so, so from Hugh and uh, Tom says awaiting a string of letters from the anti-government listeners of what a terrible job the uh, Hong Kong Observatory did and that the diabolical CCP is somehow behind it then letters from Matt attacking anyone who defends the Hong Kong uh, Observatory as being some sort of lapdog trumpet organ or other musical instrument <laughs> of the CCP and later today if someone at the Apple Daily has had enough coffee they might have a new theory on how the CCP causes typhoons when even the weather has become politicised, it's all a bit tiring, isn't it? That comes from Tom. Uh, and Mr. Mr. Lamb, I mean, uh, you know, you just said uh, in Hong Kong yesterday it was it was pretty windy, but in most of Hong Kong, I remember yesterday, especially during the morning rush hour, the weather wasn't that bad. I mean, people could have still gone to work safely, couldn't they? And but then who who could guarantee that they could go home safely? Um, you, you well, very few people realise that actually yesterday gales which is uh, what uh, the number of signal is intended for, warning for. Gales were affecting Changchao, uh, Wetland Island. I think actually maybe... No one lives on Wetland Island. Yeah, but, but it is so close. And, you know, I, 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 nowadays I don't look at the, <laughs> the, the, the observatory's uh, website all the time. But yesterday morning I looked, I was sort of horrified because the, the gales, the belt of gales were just south of Hong Kong. And it has actually edged in to cover Changzhou, uh, Wetland Island, and, uh, and I think the southern part of the Hong Kong Island. If it's shifted towards north by something like 10 to 20 kilometers, the whole of the Victoria Harbour, both sides of the harbour, would be under gales. Only 10 to 15 kilometers. Well, to you, if you walk, it's a long distance, but for a typhoon, for, for meteorological phenomenon, 10 to 20 kilometers is nothing. And uh, just in case the typhoons shift a little bit, we, the whole of Hong Kong will be under gales. I mean, especially the urban area. And are you going to take this kind of risk if you are a, re- a reasonable person or, a, or a, a, a normal person with phenomenology and psychology? Of course, uh, well, there, 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 there were no wins in the new territories, for example. Well, they have been lucky. but. Could we risk people's life and uh, not hoist the signal? I, I, I don't think any reasonable people would take that risk. OK. Well, also with us to say is uh, Tim Hamlet, writer at uh, Free Press, former associate journalism professor at the Baptist U. Uh, uh, Tim Hamlet, good morning to you. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. What, what do you make of this? What do you make of the, uh, the, the decision? And also, I guess, the way that we react, the, the decision about whether to put the number eight up and also how we react and the measures that we take in, in the wake of a number eight. Well, it's, it's a very long tradition in Hong Kong, complaining about typhoon warnings, that they're, they're too early or they're too late or they're at an inconvenient time or um, that they're, they're unjustified or they, they, they were justified but they, they weren't specific enough. I, I don't think uh, yesterday was that harmless. I, I realise that some typhoons produce a lot of rain, which attracts everyone's attention. And some typhoons just produce wind, which, if you're, a, if you're in the right place, you don't notice. Um, but I walked the dog yesterday, because you have to walk the dog every day. And uh, in the morning, it really was very windy up, up where I am. And uh, we're on a hilltop, so I, I, I'm not suggesting that's typical. Are you, but, you're uh, on Wagland Island, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no um, these are life-threatening events. I, I, and uh, as the uh, as the great uh, baseball coach said, it's hard to make predictions, especially about the future. 
um, you know, someone has to sit in the observatory and, uh, and make a decision when it's not clear exactly what's going to happen. Um, so I, I dare say there will be times when the, um, the, the, the outcome is a bit of a damp squib. But uh, I, I, I think um, it's true that uh, the, the danger is, is to people who are outside. And, and that's, that's been the case really for a long time. It's been a long time since we had one of these terrible uh, squatter huts avalanches um and uh, it's still a danger to people who are outside i mean it's all very well for people to say well you know where i was there was nothing um but uh, there there are people like uh, in, in navigator you know fishing fishing people and uh, construction workers and people yeah. who drive public transport who have to go out unless there is a number eight signal and and would be at risk even if mm. to most of us it, it seems rather, rather a harmless little typhoon. I, I guess the one thing is that the, all, all the measures, because it's not just, I mean, it's, it's very severe, isn't it, in, in the sense that schools are closed, uh, for example. Um, most offices will be closed. Most events uh, will be cancelled. These are the kinds of things that are really, that, that they're the measures that you would take in a situation of in an emergency. Um, do, do other places around the world have anything like this where there's a slightly strong wind? and suddenly the whole city closes down in this way. Transport, I mean, the MTR operates at 10-minute intervals as opposed to one-minute intervals kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, there is a big difference in the life of the city. It, uh, it does make a big difference because we, we do get very fierce weather. I mean, no, no one complained after Mancourt that... Um, <laughs> well, no, well, well, no, exactly. This is a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, because, yeah, that was a real typhoon. Uh, that, uh, um, but this was, I mean... I mean, and you could have seen it coming in the sense that, or not coming, in the sense that it was very, very distant. There hasn't been such a distant one since the 60s, we're told. Um, so it was, it was a very long way away, uh, moving away from us, moving to, to uh, Hainan. Um, so, I mean, even the sort of, uh, you know, the, the scientific justification is not obvious, yeah, Mr. Lamb? No, the scientific evidence is there that uh, we were in, at, at the risk of uh, significant danger. You know, the typhoon, the typhoon was far away, but yesterday was a situation in which the circulation, the, the southeasterly winds from the typhoon were bumping into the northeasterly monsoon. And actually, this is a typical problem in autumn for the observatory. We have northeast monsoon coming down the Taiwan Strait, and then this is bumping into the uh, winds coming in from the tropical cyclone. So it is one plus one equals two. Uh, so actually, yesterday we had we had a very narrow band of gale force wind, barely south of Hong Kong, and between this belt and the center of the typhoon, there were no wind, <laughs> no 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 strong wind. So we you must not see this as a normal circular tropical cyclone. You have to see this as a special autumn situation in which a typhoon bumps into the northeasterly monsoon, and Hong Kong was at risk. Uh, from gales in the, in the very narrow band, which is very far away from the center of the typhoon. So, uh, it, so the distance is not the issue. It is the wind that is the issue. And the belts of gales were barely south of Hong Kong, actually covering part of Hong Kong. So uh, we must you, remember you, that this can, is a, it's a risk can I ask management you, situation. Can I, can I ask, I honestly don't know, are there other cities 
around the world which which closed down in this way schools closed offices closed events cancelled <laughs> stock exchange yeah. closed uh, transport curtailed and everything like that because of the possibility of gales a yeah. possibility of 60 kilometer an hour winds no actually it seems like a very very low bar no well, gales is not a low bar because if, if you well, okay well are there any places do you know of anywhere else in the world um well um we, we, we Hong Kong is a very special case. We are a very small, a tiny, we, we are a lot of people packed into a tiny space. And so it is a situation we could operate this kind of system. Well, some other people also do it. Um, and you, you have to realize that actually within the World Meteorological Organization, a lot of people look up at the Hong Kong Observatory as a very good example of uh, risk management. Or are they jealous of your power? Hmm? Or are they jealous of your power? <laughs> because you get no. the chance to stop well, let the me city tell you. and they let, would like, to do, let they'd me like tell you. to do that. If you look at the laws of Hong Kong, there's no law saying that everyone has to close shop in tropical cyclone signal situations. People take their own decision. But the whole society has learned from experience that they had better listen to the observatory. And uh, as I have said right at the beginning, the stock exchange need not close. Banks could continue with their operations online. And uh, let's think about it. Everything, more or less, could now go online. And so the observatory, when they hoist the signal, is only for the protection of people who are going to move around in the city. It will not have the same effect as before in terms of stopping the city from operating. Do you take my point? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, Tim, Tim Hamlet, what about that? We should maybe just, uh, you know, rethink the way that we, we react to the number eight and what it means. <laughs> well, I, th I think a lot of people do. Um, it's well, still... I mean, it, schools are closed, for example. Yes, you know, well, I, th no, I think schools should be closed. I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think Albert's grandchildren should be peddling about in the typhoon. It's... Um... It's not that they're in danger, uh, but they've got to. No get one would disagree with that. Boat. But this wasn't a typhoon, and this isn't a typhoon. We're talking about a strong no. wind. <laughs> no, I have I mean, to. It's, it's I, I, have to, I have to say something about this. You are now remarking. You are making remarks on this situation after the event. But if you must put yourself before the in a position which is before the event, and are you going to risk the, the, the life of your children or grandchildren when there is imminent danger? Well. Uh, predicted by scientists, and uh, these scientists are not stupid people. They they know that the, the the result of their work will affect the life of people. So, it, on top of the science, they remember the the surface and the value of human life. So, uh, it is actually a case of risk management. So, it's very easy to 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 comment on the situation after the event, but think of yourself before the event and are you going to risk the lives of your children and grandchildren i think this is something which we must bear in mind i, I guess another argument would be that you you get re, you get real cases real typhoons like mankut or, yeah. or so on but then if you have the same system for events like yesterday uh you get a danger of crying wolf and you get people who yeah. just think well it doesn't mean anything well look what happens we, we keep getting these number eights and nothing happens, so oh, you, you won't time, keep. <laughs> we're not going to believe you. No, you won't keep on getting them. <laughs> well, we won't. We, you see, risk management means that you have to cry wolf from time to time. When there is a real wolf coming, but the, the roof might, might be shot by somebody else before they, they reach your place. So uh, we, we, the observatory always have 
we of the observatory from time to time we have very difficult situations to deal with. For example, a typhoon coming right towards us, and and there are signs of it turning away. But can we risk uh, the, the 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 fact that uh, it might eventually move away too late? So it will be it will, it will be moving away when it is right over Hong Kong. So or, or a typhoon might be uh, weakening on its approach to Hong Kong. So it is like uh, someone with a knife running towards to you. you. You have already shot him, but he is still staggering forward. Would you step back? Would, would, you, would you treat it as an intolerable risk and therefore take some precautionary action? I hope I have explained myself sufficiently. As you say, it's not really fair to, you know, to, uh, we have to look at the situation of the observatory before they have this information. But now, looking back, can we say, well, they were overcautious? And in retrospect, Given what we know now, they shouldn't have done it. No, you can't say they're not blaming no, them for doing it then. But extremely unfair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's science, isn't it? That's accurate. You learn from your experiences. You you get the data and then you you adjust your conclusions accordingly. No, but you 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 get a percentage view, but you can't say that because the ten percent chance turned up this time, the ninety percent judgment was wrong. No, but it adjusts your you adjust your judgment. You learn from it. I expect they've learned from it, but I, I, I don't no. think uh, the, the fact that <laughs> this particular typhoon was a bit disappointing for you it, it indicates that the whole system is wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> I think you have made a very good, rem a very appropriate remark. Uh, it's like, say, uh, uh, you are all about to cross the road, and then a, a bus is coming, and, and there is 10% uh, of you being hit by the bus. Would you take the risk and walk out into the road? You would not. But of course, after the bus has passed, and, and then you walk across, then you look back and say, oh, it's silly. And you find <laughs> that the bus turned off, okay? <laughs> you find that the bus turned off. Or and stopped so, somehow. And so you realise that the bus doesn't always take that route. <laughs> so you should recalculate your, your risk in no, the first place. But next time, you still cannot risk that 10% of being killed by a bus running over but you. But you realise it's not as high as 10% because sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Anyway, uh, we'll take a moment uh, to uh, Lam Chu Ying. Tim Hamlet, please, please stay with us. Chip Cho is going to be joining us uh, as well. Uh, later we're going to be talking about that, a court ruling on enclaves uh, in the country parks, the implications of that uh, with Paul Zimmerman. Uh, we want to hear from you. Drop us a line. Bankchat.rthk.hk and the weather. Uh, the observatory say it's going to be cloudy with a few rain patches, maximum temperature about 28 degrees. Fresh to strong easterly winds occasionally gale force offshore and on high ground at first. 25 degrees at the moment, relative humidity at 81% with the strong monsoon signal. American plane maker Boeing. The World Trade Organization ruled that the EU can tax up to $4 billion worth of American goods every year. But the US said the tax breaks on which that decision was based have now been withdrawn. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chat on a Wednesday morning with Janice Wong and me, Hugh Chiverson. We're talking in this part of the programme about uh, uh, yesterday's number eight signal. Uh, was it justified? Is our reaction to uh, a number eight and the measures which are standard uh, around town, are they appropriate uh, these days? We want to hear from you, as ever. Call us, 233-88266. Get on the blower 
or email backchat at rthk.hk or go to our Facebook page as well, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. Share your thoughts there. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, a court ruling on enclaves uh, in the country park. Those are uh, areas which are not strictly part of the uh, country park, uh, villages and, and so on, especially in Saigon. Uh, a, co- a court ruling has uh, opened the possibility of uh, ending those enclaves and extending the country parks. We'll be talking about the implications of that later. And we want to hear from you, backchat at rthk.hk. In the first part of the programme this morning, before nine, we were talking to former director of the Hong Kong Observatory, Lam Chu Ying. Uh, still with us is Tim Hamlet, the writer at uh, Hong Kong Free Press. And we're also joined now by social commentator Chip Cho. Once again, our number 233-88266. In an email, Peter M says, I went out yesterday and, in fact, not all businesses were closed by any means. The Taste, Park and Shop supermarket was open. Starbucks, McDonald's, Pret-a-Manger, Passion Bakery and various other restaurants were all open around the Hopewell Centre in Wan Chai. And quite a few people were milling around. So it seems that people make their own decision and some employers... Uh, seem to require their employees to go to work during a number eight signal. Maybe you should be discussing this too. That is from uh, Peter M. And uh, Din says, uh, it was a storm, Uh, not even a severe storm, let alone any category of typhoon. The strong monsoon signal, which is now in force, should have been sufficient. That is from Din. Thank you. All right, and we're now joined by social commentator Chip Cho. I mean, earlier we were discussing uh, the... uh, Observatory's decision yesterday to issue the number eight signal, and also the uh, and also whether the meaning of Typhoon Eight has now changed. I mean, what do you think, Chip Cho? Uh, I mean, Typhoon Eight used to mean no school or for kids and no work for many employees, but now that sort of changed. Well, I think the observatory has its own reason to hoist uh, signal number eight. Uh, they have. Uh, they have all the science and technology uh, as an observatory. They they knew when the typhoon was approaching. They knew uh, what the typhoon was like. Uh, but I think the main problem is complaint has been a uh, a, uh, a, 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 a a a wide social pandemic. As the director of the uh, observatory, I was the first become very concerned. If I don't hoist signal number eight, right, uh, would I face uh, a, 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 a wave of complaints from parents, from, uh, from employees, right, on the next day that uh, why I didn't do so because uh, it, it, uh, because the weather would have been bad, right? The, the, so the former complaints um, complaint happen everywhere. The the former right? observatory director Lam Chu Ying. I mean, earlier, I mean, when he was on the program, he said um, public safety always comes first when they make this decision. But now you're making it sound like um, the director of the observatory is just trying to uh, avoid complaints. I think it's public emotion rather than public safety. Come on, I mean, when I was a, when I was a child, such was really nothing. And now you have all the uh, kind of or uh, or new standards like uh, uh, red signal for heavy rains and then yellow signals or whatever. When red signal is uh, issued, all schools close down, and then uh, school kids are told not to go to school. During the 
seventies and sixties, we face we face rains nearly every day in summer, and we still went to school. We still took the risk of uh, taking buses and trams and whatever. And there was no MTR and going to school. It was really nothing. But now we have right, the internet. Public safety, public safety is defined by a paranoid community, which likes to complain and complain and complain. When they see a when they see a, a, a dialogue in a movie in the cinema, which they don't like, which they think is racist or sexist or whatever, they complain. And we live in a in such an era of. Uh, of a mental pandemic, we, the people complain too much. <laughs> I know you just um, um, mentioned uh, uh, no no school yesterday and uh, no work, but then actually um, many many kids. I mean, my kids they had to um, they had online classes in the afternoon. Actually, they they didn't go to school, but they still had their classes. And uh, many of my friends they still had to work at home. I mean, does it does I mean it's it still continues. Life still continues. It's not yeah, well, um, like what you life said. Con- life continues, but the restaurants and bars are closed down. It's a further hit on the business. We live in the China virus or COVID-19, whatever you call it. If I say Wuhan virus, you'll, become, you'll receive a lot of complaints, right? So we better use the non-Donald Trump term, COVID-19. We live in an era of uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the business and the economy are bad enough. So if I were uh, the director of observatory, I would think of that first, right? And uh, it, was, it was really nothing. It was very peaceful, nice and quiet. But again, but again, if I were the director of observatory, I would be more concerned about public complaints. If complaints grow and grow, and then I would lose my job because Carrie Lamb or my superior would know nothing. They are concerned about complaints as well. <laughs> Tim, Tim Hamlet, uh, you know, is it uh, scientific judgment with a view to enhancing public safety or is it bureaucrats covering their butts? I, I think the, the observatory has a pretty good record of, of um, saying what it believes to be true. Um, the, the, I, I, it's true, though, that uh, people do complain a lot these days. <laughs> I think um, that's uh, a, a result of all sorts of social changes, but um, it's, it's, uh, pe- people do set higher standards, is a, would, would perhaps be another way of putting it. I mean, they're not they're not just whingers, but um, they they do have higher expectations than they did when uh, when Chip went to went to school in the rain as uh, as I did. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, it's not all it's not all bad. I I really think um, people tend to be very cynical about uh, about civil servants and complaints. Um, complaints seem to to vary a lot in their effect. I mean, it's very noticeable that complaints from rich, influential people produce violent uh, responses and complaints from peasants don't. <laughs> okay, uh, a couple of comments on our Facebook page. 
Uh, Jan says, many tides ago, when the colony was populated by over half the population living on the water, the typhoon warnings were designed primarily for waterborne people and mariners. It was never designed for city dwellers, now sheltered in tall buildings. Yesterday's tropical depression deserved a T3 at most. And uh, Matthew, responding to Tom's earlier email, says, Why are you writing emails suggesting I'm politicising the Signal 8 issue? I have made no comment on this in any forum and don't have any strong view either way. Ironically, this means it's you who's trying to politicise the issue and discredit me using nonsensical arguments. That's from uh, Matthew. We've got a caller on the line, 233-88266. It's Mark. Mark, good morning. Good, good morning. Um, I think the, the uh, Chinese, Chinese studio, uh, I think CNN, they had a precedent of Typhoon Mary, which started off in the South China Sea as a tropical depression and quickly strengthened and became a very, very powerful storm that uh, sank about, I think, 25 to 30 sampans in, in Chengzhou. So I think they're using this as a, as a precedent that, you know, um, it looked very innocuous to begin with mm -hmm. from our standpoint but as uh, the the, uh, the Royal Observatory chap said you know if you look south of uh, Wagdon Island the, the winds were terrible and then um, I think Mary was their precedent Mary and Wanda at that time were two great storms that uh, caused and uh, great damage, and they're using that as the precedent. At least the Chinese channel was, was using Mary as a as a precedent. You know, we, we, we didn't know anything about that, so all of a sudden you had Typhoon number eight. But if you look at the whole history of Mary, just look it up in YouTube or Wikipedia, you'll find that it was a tropical depression originally, mm. and strengthened, and was just south of us, and then just blew straight at us like a, a rifle shot. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's not out of the blue that they decided on Typhoon number 8 because if it had moved slightly north, we'd have been in, in dire straits, I think. Okay. And Mary was in the 60s, was 1960, it? 1960, I think. 1960. I, I think. Yeah. And Wanda was yeah, also in the... Later, right. 1962, 63, yeah. Okay, right. But, uh, you know, I think they, the Royal Observatory, you know, they're, they're always worried about things like... Well, there are three storms, very weird storms, like Mary, Wanda, and Rose. Rose was later, mm. again. Again, Rose was um, also the South China Sea. So, you know, uh, something in the South China Sea on the way to Hainan could be strengthened by the, by the no northwest or northeast typhoon, or not northeast uh, winds, and then become terribly strong. That's what they're trying to show on... Mm. on, on on the on the TV that you know it could easily be strengthened by this northern monsoon, and um, you know if, if they're using Mary as as a precedent, then you know I think it's a it's a good precedent. But of course, who could predict that Mary was going to hit Hong Kong, and who could predict yesterday's typhoon wasn't? You know, I think. But um, they had their reasons. At least the Chinese channel was clear about that. Mm. It gave about three other typhoons that started in the South China Sea. Okay. And Mary really started totally as a tropical depression, not, not a typhoon that was quickly strengthened. And uh, it, had, uh, it gave the 
the pressure as well as being very low. I think 980 whatever isobars, whatever, whatever unit you use. So I think the people in the Royal Observatory are always worried about Mary, Wanda, and Rose. Hmm. Okay, Mark, thank you very much indeed for that, for that. Uh, uh, interesting observation. 233-88266. We've got another call. I think it's Dan. Dan, good morning. Hello, Dan. Another aspect of my life, I've had weather meteorology as a hobby since I was 10 years old. Um, I have a weather station here out in Taipo, uh, and uh, I could talk for an hour on this topic, but let me just focus on a solution. Uh, and I wish Dr. Lamb was still here because I'd be interested to get his input. I think we have too big a gap in our signaling system. Uh, the first signaling system began in 1917, and uh, then there was another one in revised and added onto later uh, in uh, 1931. It had 10 levels, and then in 1973 we went to the current level. So it's been nearly 50 years with the current system. Seems to me it's too binary. There needs to be a level between three and eight where we say uh, there's some danger, there's a possibility things could increase, but we don't shut the, system, the whole place down. I guess the counter-argument to that, Dan, would be at least it's clear. At least we know it is kind of, as you say, it's binary, and that kind of helps in the sense that we know what to do. You we panic <laughs> when the number eight goes the uh you know the uh you can't get a taxi the school's closed and everything like that but at least it's either on or off no i think i think there can be a level in between say mm. level five or level seven where we say there's a chance that uh things will get worse well, isn't that where the three not... is really the three is kind of a standby kind of a warning nothing really very much happens when there's a number three but it's a it's a isn't that when you're supposed to look out well, I think, and, and not only that, the numbers themselves, but how they make that determination. See, they have an average. If you go on the HQ website, and I would encourage everybody, you know, we live and work and do outdoor, indoor, outdoor activities all by the weather. Every day we have to deal with it to educate ourselves, everyone, about the weather. Uh, even simple things to understand how the weather works is very important. It's tough to forecast the weather in Hong Kong. It is very tough because it's very unstable, very changeable, and even when you have things that that are somewhat predictable, like uh, tropical storms, they still can change and move. So uh, I would encourage people to really, there's, there's plenty of uh, information on the Hong Kong Observatory website. Learn about the weather, learn how it works. And then I would still think that there'd still be some intermediary level between three and eight that would help us avoid the situation that happened yesterday. What, did you think it was the right decision yesterday or wrong decision? So I, had, I had friends ask me, Dan, do you think it's going to go to number eight? <laughs> And I said, I don't really see the need. But then when I looked at the actual data uh, of the winds at different levels in different places, and they actually, the observatory picks certain, if you go on their website, they talk about this. They pick certain reporting stations, uh, that, and they, they look at the winds. And when the winds rise, rise to a certain level, then they say, okay, it's time for us to go ahead and issue this level. So maybe that needs to be reexamined. Uh, also, Hong Kong is a much more battle-hardened place than it was in 1973, and uh, we could probably stand a lot more. So I would encourage the uh, HKO to kind of revise the whole system. Okay, uh, some comments from listeners uh, finally. Uh, Derek says, The observatory is one of the few government departments that give open, contemporaneous and clear guidelines to the public. It should be credited instead of criticised. It's ignorant to assume one can make accurate judgments on the weather situation by looking up into the sky. 
A comparable analogy is like the blind man and an elephant. They see a limited scope of the situation but offer a strong opinion. That comes from uh, Derek. Jeff says the observatory only issues warnings. It's up to society and the government and business to decide whether to close down or not. Uh, we are arguing with the wrong people. And uh, Rick says, uh, why do they even switch off the escalator on mid-levels? How dangerous is it? That uh, question from uh, Rick. Thank you very much indeed for uh, all those uh, comments this morning. Thank you very much indeed to uh, Chip Cho, a social commentator, and uh, Tim Hamlet, writer at Hong Kong uh, Free Press, for joining us this morning, and uh, our callers, uh, Dan and Mark. Much obliged. It's 20 past nine. Finally today, we wanted to turn to the issues of uh, enclaves in the country parks as the quarterfinal appeal has uh, ordered the government to consult the uh, or reconsult on whether uh, six rural enclaves uh, should be merged into the surrounding country parks. These are areas, kind of islands within the uh, country parks, especially uh, villages or agricultural land. Uh, authorities in uh, 2013 refused to, to merge these into the surrounding parks without consulting the Country and Marine Parks Board, uh, claiming it was uh, not necessary. Uh, Paul Zimmerman, Southern District Councillor, CEO of uh, Designing Hong Kong, who joins us on the line now. Paul, good morning to you. Morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. What... Uh, are the implications of this? Why is this significant, do you think, this, uh, this judgment? Well, it, it puts the power back to the board of the, the Country Marine Park Board for the decision on whether or not to, uh, to, uh, to continue to exclude the enclaves from the, the, the country parks. Uh, the government says uh, the AFCD, uh, the, the Country Parks Authority, could make that decision without having to go to the board. And uh, Debbie Chen has argued that they should have, by the law, and, and now six years later... Um, the courts have confirmed that. So that's good. Now it has to go back to the board, and then it comes down to what is, how is the board going to look at it? Uh, the, uh, these enclaves, these are kind of pieces of private land where in, in the 1970s, when the, uh, when the country park ordinance uh, came into place, um, you know, McLehose basically decided to speed up a discussion that had been going on at the forestry department for many, many years, and he decided to uh, avoid any delays uh, with disputes over the bits of private land uh, by excluding them. And so we're ending up with these islands of private land uh, within the country park areas, and they are called the enclaves. Uh, but now, uh, in, in the last uh, decade, the, the development pressure has gone up a lot on, the, on these enclaves. So the question really is, um, how do you properly protect them? And um, government took the point that if there is a lot of private land, we should leave it up to the town planning board and, and zoning laws. Um, uh, we, standing on the outside and green groups and having lots of experience with how effective uh, uh, the town planning ordinance is in protecting ecologically sensitive areas, uh, we believe that that was highly in, 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 in incompetent um, and that uh, what is necessary is that these enclaves fall under the country park ordinance and with that under the country park regulations ordinance which give uh, control to the to the um, to the government and to the, uh, uh, the country marine parks board to really look into the minutia of developments you know, do they have a proper tank uh, for uh, for effluence uh, uh, what is the road access what is the location what is the impact on the butterflies i mean they they look at a lot of details that town planning board would never look at when it comes to small house development have there been abuses? Have, have there been cases where the enclaves, there's been development inappropriate, harmful development within these enclaves? Well, what we see is 
that where we allow the small house policy to let these enclaves mushrooms, say, for example, Hoi Ha, and uh, then under the current uh, mechanisms that the, that the town planning ordinance has and the lands department applies for small house applications and approvals, uh, we have basically affluent water streaming into the Hoi Ha Bay, which is a marine reserve. But because of the boundary of the marine reserve is slightly away from the, the beach area, suddenly this is this is possible, and there's no control. Had Hoi Ha been under the Country Marine Park Board, he had to get their approval as well for your ability to build a house. They could set those requirements far easier, and they have the law to do that, uh, to protect the ecological environment, to protect the marine park reserves. They could set a requirement. You cannot build a house unless you have a proper sewage tank, and, and the sewage is, is pumped out instead of that there is no flow into the, uh, into the uh, surrounding waters. But these uh, six uh, enclaves uh, included in this court case, they, they only make up a small part or a small number of the total number of uh, country park enclaves in Hong Kong. What kind of impact uh, will the ruling have on um, the, the other enclaves? Well, the, so of the 77 enclaves, um, the, the, the ones that are re- relevant are around 50 of them where there is significant uh, areas of uh, uh, private land and development pressure with potential uh, lots of people applying under the uh, small house policy for development. So uh, the, now that this case is won and it goes back to the board, the board has to come up with a much uh, more deliberate process for deciding whether or not this is going to be excluded from the, from the country park ordinance. What has happened in the meantime since, um, uh, since the, the Dalong Saban incident in 2010, since Debbie took action in 2014 and, and now uh, in 2020, is that the, the zoning has been applied. So the, so the town planning board has done zoning for all these villages, kind of restricting the areas of, uh, of uh, uh, areas where you can build within those uh, villages. So now it's a really good time to say, okay, now that's, the, that's done under zoning. Now, can we get them placed under the country park regulation so that the country park warden looks after the areas? So when the country park warden uh, looks, uh, walks through the country park with her and makes sure that it gets cleaned up and makes sure there is no damage, then he also walks into the village area where now they skip through the various area because it's not theirs, which is somewhat ridiculous because it's right in the heart of the country park. So, so I think we have an opportunity now to get them under the country park regulations. Then there, of course, we then have to start thinking about, so what's the next step for those villages? Uh, and if we look at Dalong Sawan itself, where the restaurants were closed and lost their outdoor seating and they had to fight to get better seating and the hostels were closed and, and so on, then we have to re- really start saying, okay, what can we put up as a vision for the future of these villages where they can become real amenity areas for the country park? So um, I hope that this is a first step that goes back to the board and that the board has taken a very visionary approach to the future of these villages. So, so the villagers um, could, uh, could gain from this because you could, you could have sort of properly controlled development and appropriate facilities and thumbed for serving the people who are using the country park? If the AFCD is willing to take that position, right now, and we see that with Dalong Sanwan, they take a hands-off position and say, well, all these things really, I don't want to get involved in, leave them to the lens department. So they have to be get much more proactive and use the extent of the regulations that gives them all of those powers and, and to be effective by really setting visions and plans for these villages. And 
make sure that the lens department looks at them and everybody else looks at them as very separate, that those are enclaves, villages within country park areas, um, under, their, under their control, and therefore that whatever you permit somebody to do with his village house or, or a squatter hut or with his hostel or with his restaurant in that area falls, falls under a different set of regulations than somebody that is outside of a country park, which I think would be fair. And, and but currently that is not the case. So we'll have to go through that process of making sure that the AFCD feels empowered to to do something special with those enclaves and make them real amenity areas that make it more enjoyable to uh, uh, to, to go to the country park and stay overnight, uh, have a meal, uh, uh, stay in one of the village houses, uh, and and make sure that they have the next extremely well organized uh, sewage systems uh, and so on. Well, the, the AFCD, I mean, they're still studying the ruling and they haven't come up with any uh, follow-up actions yet. I mean, what will happen if in the end these enclaves are not merged with country parks? Well, then they just, it's like, um, I don't know, the, the, the rotting sores, you know, and they will, the scar tissue will develop. I mean, it, it's, they will just remain in rotting areas. And if you take the cycle country park and you look at these enclaves, how they continue to develop, to grow, draw, pulling in more traffic and then because they pull in more traffic more street lights go up and then it's just an ongoing deterioration of the value of these country parks as a whole this is a real shame and um, but if we take this opportunity and ABCD takes this opportunity take a visionary approach towards the enclaves um, everybody can win but um, it's I must say we're still uh, quite far away from um, AFCD being visionary, but uh, they're really good people when it comes to conservation. But being visionary and being feeling empowered to uh, to step up, uh, we still have to go through a lot of hoops. But do you have sympathy for the for the villagers who might say, you know, this is my ancestral village, and and now I'm being forcibly incorporated more or less into into a country park, and I'm having a lot of rights taken away. Well, I mean, so that's why it's, uh, we're now at a better stage than we were in 2010, 2014, when the zonings were not in place. Uh, the, the development rights have been significantly uh, curtailed uh, under the town planning ordinance, so uh, through the zoning. Um, so that has, has already been done. So in that sense, the, 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 the development potential has already been curtailed, and so, so that we passed that stage. Now it's an issue of getting good management for those areas. Okay, well, Paul Zimmerman, thank you very much indeed for joining us as District Councillor in Southern District. Uh, that's it uh, from us back at uh, 8.30 tomorrow. Janice, thank you very much indeed. The weather forecast, cloudy, with a few rain patches and a maximum temperature today of 28 degrees. Fresh to strong easterly winds. The seas will be very rough with swells. And the outlook sunny periods forecast and one or two rain patches in the next few days. The strong monsoon signal is now in effect. The reading's 25 Celsius, relative humidity at 77%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, don't hold gatherings or join large-scale activities. Event organizers should adopt contingency measures to postpone or cancel events or temporarily close facilities. The public should avoid crowded places as far as possible. Don't host or join gatherings with family and friends. Find an open space to stretch. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. 9.31, the news with Samantha Butler. 
The United Nations General Assembly has elected China and Russia to the Human Rights Council, despite widespread criticism of their human rights records. Saudi Arabia unexpectedly failed to secure a seat. It's not clear whether criticism of Riyadh over the murder of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi was a factor. Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett has faced hours of hostile questioning from Democrats on the second day of her confirmation hearings in the U.S. Senate. Judge Barrett, a staunch conservative, refused to comment on the landmark rulings legalizing abortion and gay marriage. And organizations representing airlines and airports have warned the global aviation industry faces collapse unless it receives further financial support. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Design, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. And welcome to Wednesday. I'm Phil Whelan, uh, as always. Slightly different to the way we thought it was going to pan today, but never mind, we're going to change things around slightly. We'd obviously planned to broadcast the policy address and the rest you know. So our friend Janice Jensen from Nevis Animal Speaks, she's still busy moving around anyway and will be back as soon as possible. After 10.30 today, a little earlier than normal, RTL France's Philippe Devar will be with us for his little slice of home in Asia and uh, some music and chit-chat, French style. And a bit later on, after 11.30, our vet, Dr David Gething, will join me for a one-off Wednesday. He wants to talk about various gadgets you can buy to aid feeding and general care of your pets. He does concede that most of them are, in fact, absolutely rubbish. Join us on Facebook Live with your comments and questions. Uh, Chris Watts is supposed to be with us today, but he, again, is busy and will be along after 12 tomorrow. That's it. This is Gene. It's called Olympian. Olympian.